0: Well, guess who is the best goaltender in all of hockey? I knew he'd be a finalist. I wasn't sure he'd win it, but the best in the trophy winner for the first time at age 36. It is Mark Andre Fleury, formerly of this parish, but now with Vegas. And just think, the Penguins almost got Fleury back before this past season. The Penguins could have had the Vezina Trophy winner and they would not have lost in the first round. Not that Flower doesn't make the occasional mistake. I could not possibly be happier. But there's a lot more to it than just Flower winning the Vezina. So let's talk about it. This is the Mark Madden Show. I work heel and I work stiff. 412 333 WXDX is the number to call or. You can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. We got Steve Levy of ESPN at 3.30. I'm talking Monday Night Football. I'm talking ESPN's hockey coverage. I'm talking Steve Levy at 3.30, a half hour away, right here on 105.9. Before we talk about Flurry, we talked a lot about Mike Tomlin yesterday And Tomlin has been the coach of an underachieving team for 10 years, and the Steelers collapsed in each of the last three years, and have won three playoff games in the last 10 years, and that's with the Hall of Fame quarterback. Those are legitimate criticisms, but if you're going to criticize Tomlin, for example, don't say he won his Super Bowl with Cowher's team. The coach who wins the Super Bowl is the coach who wins the Super Bowl, Period. Don't dilute legit criticism with stupid crap. Tomlin's failure is more current. His glory days are old news. Okay, so Flurry wins the Vezina. He finished third in all the stats. Third in the league in goals against average, save percentage, shutouts, and wins. It was Flurry's best season ever in his career for goals against average and save percentage, it was his best season ever overall. Flurry had good playoff stats, too. He has the third best goals against average in the postseason. And that, those numbers, and now that he got the Vezina as best goalie, it makes it all the more dumbfounding that Flurry got benched in the playoffs for making one friggin' mistake. But because Flurry won the Vezina, How can Vegas trade him? How do they make that call? How does Vegas sell that to their fans? Guy wins the Vezina. He's incredibly popular. You trade him, you do worse. They'd be in the streets with torches and pitchforks, which would be quite the sight on Las Vegas Boulevard. First and foremost, I'm overjoyed for Marc-Andre Fleury. He's the best guy. No one doesn't love him. And now his few detractors have to dislodge a Vezina trophy from their rectums. Flurry has three rings. He's got the third most victories by a goaltender ever in NHL history. Now he's got a Vezina. Marc Andre Flurry is not only a Hall of Famer, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And no matter where Flurry plays next year, and it's got to be Vegas, but no matter what and where, I bet he's got another trick or two up his sleeve. I can see Flurry being a starting goalie and a good one in the NHL till he's forty, maybe beyond. Heck, Flurry could win another Stanley Cup in Vegas if the coach would just trust him. So, Mark Andre Flurry is the Vezina Trophy winner, the best goalie, and that is a really big deal. The best goalie and the best guy. I've known Flower since he was eighteen. Just terrific. From day one. Flower's career has had some bad moments. And has detractors like to cite those. But the great moments far overwhelm the bad moments. And this Vezina is just the latest example. But now the Penguins will never get him back. But what does Vegas do? Because they still got Laner. But if I'm Flower, I probably do want to stay in Vegas because that team can win. The Penguins would do better if Marc-Andre Fleury came back, but Vegas has a better team right now than the Penguins. I feel like the Pittsburgh hockey media covers Vegas like it's a second home team. I know I do because Fleury is there. And maybe I do because I go back to Vegas again and again and again. Every time I go to see Flower at practice in Vegas or after a game, he says, What are you doing here? I I go to Vegas all the time, Flower. Figure it out. Uh, The other big topic seems to be the prequel for the Soprano series. There's a prequel movie. The trailer's out. The movie's called The Many Saints of Newark. The trailer is great, but it's only a trailer. People are almost reviewing the trailer like it's a movie. I'm hoping it is good. But prequels usually aren't. We'll talk more about that later in the show. But boy, here we are 14 years later, and people still want The Sopranos. You got The Sopranos prequel, The Friends Reunion, and more superhero movies like every single friggin' day. Why can't somebody please come up with something original? But I'm no better. I was watching the Kiss documentary on A&E. The first time I saw KISS was 1979, I think. And here I am, 42 years later, watching the documentary. And I'm going to see him twice in August. Once in Atlantic City and once in Bergenstown. KISS really is a phenomenon. They're not virtuosos, but they're stars. There's never been another band like them. We tend to overrate great musicianship and rock and roll. Now, you can do both. Eddie Van Halen, great player, also a star. But look at Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck is one of the five or ten greatest guitar players of all time, but he just didn't have the songs and didn't have the charisma. He never became a star. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Steve Levy from ESPN at 3.30, Dejan at 4 o'clock, Mike Rupp who's on site at Tampa for the Stanley Cup Finals, game two tonight. Ropper joins me at 5.30. Uh, did you know the Steelers have led for exactly zero seconds in their last three playoff games? But don't worry about it. Tomlin's still one of the top three, five, ten, whatever, top coaches in the NFL. The Steelers come out flat. They fall behind big, but they never catch up they rally but they never catch up you all jerk it to the rally but there's no climax but don't worry because that's got nothing to do with coaching listen I don't care if the Steelers want Mike Tomlin to coach forever but I can't tolerate this nonsense that he's a top five coach right now because evidence compiled over the last 10 years proves he absolutely 100% is not Oh, and by the way, the Pirates almost got no hit last night at Denver. We'll talk about that in the Bucko Roundup, which is coming up next. We'll talk to Steve Levy at the bottom of the hour. NHL on ESPN. Boy, what a crew they've got assembled for the NHL coverage. But does that mean the highlights will get on SportsCenter? Levy's as good as they get at ESPN. NHL, Monday Night Football, too. So he joins me at 3.30. This is the Mark Madden Show. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Yada, 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 yada. You know what, Mark? i got hot time. And I was wondering if you could have this- any idea how dumb that sounds. The X at 105.9. It's time for the Bucko Roundup. The Pirates almost got no hit last night in Denver. Kai Tom might be the worst player in MLB. He's hitting 137. But he broke up a no-hit bid by Marquez of the Rockies to lead off the ninth inning. Go figure. The worst hitter in MLB breaks up the no-hitter. So, let's review. Denver is a hitter's park because of the altitude. Everybody hits there. It's where slumps go to end. The ball just flies. So the Pirates got shut out there two games in a row. Six hits on Monday and just the one hit last night. And all seven hits were mere singles. I have done a deep, deep analytical dive regarding the Pirates' performance at the plate these past two games in Denver. And I've concluded that the Pirates just stink. They friggin' stink. And like I've been saying, they just don't let you get excited. They won six out of nine. They won three out of four at St. Louis. You could manufacture some optimism, false though it may have been. But then they sent Kranich to AAA the day after he pitches five perfect innings. And then they embarrassed themselves at Denver. There is no way to not hate the Pirates. They looked like they were trying to hit cannonballs with a wiffle ball bat last night. That is the Pirate Roundup for June 30, 2021. Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals is tonight. Tampa Bay brushed aside Montreal pretty easily in Game 1. Well, it was 2-1 after 2, but the final score ended 5-1 and the result was never in doubt. Montreal got a little chippy. Weber took a big whack at Kucherov. I'm curious to see if Montreal comes out chippy again because Tampa's power play is converting 38% of the time. I think Montreal has probably run out of gas mentally and physically. And if that's not the case, the Canadians had better show it tonight because they're not going to bounce back from now two games to zip against Tampa. No chance of that. Montreal just isn't good enough. I think Carey Price is really out of gas. He didn't play bad in game one, but five goals allowed is just too many. Tampa smells blood. I think we'll see that this evening. The hits in game one were 58-57, just about dead even, so Tampa can play any which way you want. I mentioned that Flurry won the Vezina. Connor McDavid won the MVP. He got every first-place vote. I can't argue with that, but he disappeared in the playoffs. Disappointed is probably a better, a better phrase to use. He got no points in his first two games. Edmonton was then down two games to nil, and it really didn't matter what he did after that. Uh, McDavid is very reminiscent of Lemieux during his salad years in Pittsburgh, except Lemieux had even less to work with than McDavid. In fact, when I say even less, I mean a lot less. Almost nothing else to work with till they traded for guys like Coffee and Tom Barrasso. McDavid has another NHL MVP on his team, Drysidle. A bunch of first overall picks like Nugent Hopkins, and they can't get anything going in the playoffs. They've only won one playoff series in the McDavid era. Uh, Adam Fox won the Vesna, excuse me, the Norris Trophy for best defenseman from the Rangers, and they didn't even make the playoffs. There was no truly great defenseman this year. Hedman has won the Norris in the past, but he didn't have a great year by his standards. Fox played in New York. That adds some cachet. Uh, Turning out of baseball. You know you're killing time till Steve Levy come on when you say turning out of baseball... Uh, The easiest call in sports is that Otani from the LA Angels has to be the MVP of the American League. He's pitching and playing the outfield. He's got a major league leading 28 home runs and his ERA is 2.58 after 11 starts. Like most great starting pitchers in today's MLB, his excellence isn't reflected in wins. He has just three victories because that stat doesn't matter now. But Otani's the American League MVP. The problem there is, and remember I said this, the problem is if he pitches and plays the outfield both indefinitely, he's going to get hurt, he's going to wear out, he's going to screw something up. You can't keep asking athletes to do so much indefinitely. Just ask Bo Jackson. But here's the rub. The Angels still stink. They got Otani and Trout, and they still stick. 38 and 41, under 500, although Trout is on the 60 day injured list. A pitcher got suspended 10 games by MLB for using a gripping substance. Hector Santiago of Seattle. He had something sticky on his glove. He says it was rosin, which is okay, except it's not supposed to be on your glove hand. That's what Santiago says. MLB won't explain, they won't define, they won't delineate, and that's bad. This issue demands full transparency, or we could just ignore it. Uh, People are saying MLB needs to come up with baseballs that can be more easily gripped. Yo, MLB was founded in 1869. Why is this a problem 152 years later? We never heard about this before. This is a simple game. You throw the ball. You hit the ball, you catch the ball. Baseball is too self important, and that's what causes this crap. The umpires of baseball's biggest joke, like this slug, Angel Hernandez, he's all over the low lights. He mangles the strike zone constantly. He's so bad, he affects the outcomes of games. But they won't fire him. Why won't they fire him? Here's some breaking news from a little bit ago Bill Cosby got his conviction overturned. He is a free man. Now the Penn State crackpots will try and connect that to Jerry Sandusky. You watch. Trevor Bauer is accused of sexual misconduct, which he denies. You should have to sign a release form before having sex. And I am not at all making light. Four one two three three wxdx Up next, one of our favorite guests. He is the play-by-play man for Monday Night Football. He's going to anchor a lot of ESPN's hockey coverage when the worldwide leader is a broadcast partner next year. It's Steve Levy just around the corner on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Come, son of jor Kneel before Zod. Oh, hi. Um... Always great to hear from the lady caller. TX at 105.9. My guest right now gets it done with the NFL. He gets it done with hockey. When it comes to ESPN, he is the jack of all trades and the master of all trades, too. It's great to welcome back to the program Steve Levy. Steve, we got game two of the Stanley Cup final tonight, and Montreal looked a bit overwhelmed in game one, didn't they?
1: Yeah, a bit. You're, you're being, uh, you're being kind and I know you're not that kind, guy. So, uh, yeah, they, I thought they got their doors blown off. Uh, I think the score was misleading. It was, you know, 2-1 a minute, minute and a half into the third period. Um, there were a ton of turnovers by Montreal. All the mistakes they didn't make, uh, in the first three rounds of it, maybe those first couple of games against Toronto in the first round they were making and, uh, Tampa just stepped up. I, I thought there would be some kind of hangover for Tampa. So you know they're the team to play the seven game series. They just came off the game, and uh, you know Montreal was able to sit back and relax, at least have a few extra days. Uh, but that was not the case. I also think Montreal's younger guys, the the scoring guys, um, Suzuki, Caulfield, those guys, they looked a little nervous. So so I think they'll settle in tonight. I don't know if they'll win or not, but I think you'll get a much better Montreal effort this see Yeah,
0: I expect the Canadians to play better. But one thing that that kind of leads me to think that Tampa smells blood is. It's a heavy series so far. The hits were 58-57 in game one. And if Tampa's willing to play that way, and they really can play any way you want, that's bad for Montreal because that's Montreal's only option.
1: Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, Montreal has forever been small up front. You know, that's been one of their problems. Uh, They've got a heavy-hitting defense themselves. Their top four is pretty good defensively. uh, But Tampa brings all of it and um and, and the other big difference i think bud is and melrose made this point you know forever montreal's gone into every game with one advantage no matter what and that's carry price and i don't think they have that advantage even more some some people believe vasilevsky's the better goalie in this series so so then montreal's really got to be smart really got to avoid taking penalties and uh you know that speaks to that aspect of the physical game we saw the usual uh um, you know, chippiness at the end of the game where a team's not going to come back and win. So I doubt there'll be any carryover. The special teams is way, way too important in a series like this where Tampa has just so much of uh, the superior talent uh, that Montreal can't be in the penalty box at all. Kucherov is ripping the playoffs to
0: shred, Steve, and he's a former league MVP. How come Kuch doesn't get talked about in the same breath as players like McDavid and McKinnon? Because if he's not uh, Plum, he's
1: near. You know what, Mark, that's a, that's a great question. And, um, you know, maybe that's something I'll pose to Melrose as well. The The only answer is, you know, so I guess, you know, it can't be the market size because, right, McDavid plays in Edmonton and he gets talked about plenty. Uh, so Kucherov, as you know, didn't play a single regular season game. Uh, had the hip surgery. So that that's really bizarre to not play a single regular season game, but then be just tearing up the postseason. Uh, he was not himself in that game seven. Remember, he played a shift in game six took the cross check from Mayfield to the Islanders, uh, but he looked really good uh, in the game one. And And I'll tell you what, if you don't know anything about the game, you just want to see fun and skill. Like when Tampa gets on the power play, the way they move the puck around, I mean, it is it is click, 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 right? It's on everybody's stick immediately, tic-tac-toe. Even when it doesn't go in, uh, it's still so much fun to watch. You see the skill level. And another thing about Kucherov is, like, you know, he should get more attention. Like, Steven Stamkos has been, you know, five-on-five five has been pedestrian. You only notice him in my eyes this postseason, you know, when they do have the power play. But it's all going through Kucherov right now.
0: Braden Point keeps scoring the same goal for Tampa over and over. He's amazing. Is he the playoff MVP <laughs> right now?
1: uh you know they got an argument for a couple of players you know kucherov is obviously be right there the point is the goal scorer he plays that bumper position all the goals coming from that slot area too um tampa bay is really fascinating As you remember when they were in the cup not last year but i guess in 15 or the 15 yeah so um and they came up short and uh and thompson um uh I want to make sure Tyler Johnson sorry, I got that right. He was on the top line. He had, he was on that triplets line. This really speaks to the depth of Tampa Bay. And so he's a guy who was on that top line, scored all the goals, all the points, first team power play, and he has quickly slid down the roster and that's how much better Tampa Bay has got and younger and faster uh that the guys who could no longer, you know, who had great success in the Stanley Cup final during that run uh, you know, and now wind themselves up in the third and fourth line. So, But that is a credit uh, to Point and Kucherov. That line was outstanding. And listen, they had the puck all of that first game, and that's the reason that Suzuki and Caulfield and tofoli, the only really big line from Montreal, they were that combined minus nine. And that, again, is a credit to Point's line.
0: How's the goaltending battle going to go in this series? It was hard to tell in game one, but who's going to have the edge over the length of this series?
1: You know, I mean, that's the great coin flip, but that's Montreal's only chance to win. Like, I'm not sure I fault Carrie Price on any of those goals the other night. He made some unbelievable saves to him. He had a wicked glove save, unbelievable left pad stop. You never thought he was going to get there. But he just can't give up five goals and expect them to win. The Canadians are not going to score five in a game. Um, so I really think it's a coin flip. Maybe Vasilevsky has a, a slight edge. I think Montreal's defense, they didn't have a very good game in game one. But I think their top four and and uh, Tampa's top four are pretty close to each other. So I think it really does come down to the forwards. And the number is, this is a great stat we pulled up. So Montreal is 11-0 and 0 this postseason when they score two goals or more. I mean, think about that. So that says the goaltending. That says Carey Price will keep them in those kind of games. So I think the question is, you know, can Tampa get the two or three goals? Tonight? Can Montreal get the two? or three goals scored tonight.
0: Uh, Shea Weber slash on Kucherov aside, I remember when people thought Nashville fleeced Montreal in that deal, Weber for Subban. And look at Weber yeah. now. I think he's outstanding still, and I like Montreal in the back. Uh, I think if they can, like you said, play a little tighter tonight, they could still make a series of this.
1: Buddy, I think it's funny you bring that up. I think that is five years ago to the day. I think that trade was made. Weber for Subban five years ago today. I'm trying to see if I can see it in my nose. Anyway, if it's not today, it's real close. It was yesterday or tomorrow, but uh, I do remember that same thing. But, but I, I do recall thinking immediately, like Subban is a much flashier, better offensive player. Guy can run your power play, all those things. But, uh, I, I thought Weber was the better player, has the real hard shot, but he's on the ice. When you're, uh, when you're up by a goal, right? And Suban's on the ice in the last minute when you're down by a goal. And sort of, that's sort of the, the situation there. And, you know, Weber's gone on to be the, the captain of the team and, uh, they, they take things like that very, very seriously in Montreal. So he's been an outstanding player and, and, you know, PK hasn't had the similar kind of success winning or personal success, uh, ever since that, I believe.
0: I think Montreal will play better tonight, but I think they gotta win, Steve. I think if they don't win tonight, and I know it's tough at Tampa, but if they don't win tonight, I think this series could be real fast and and maybe out of control for them
1: uh, I think that's fair and and here's the other thing mark I mean it's just it's so unfair is you know we got twenty thousand maniacs here in the building at Amelie Arena in Tampa, and Montreal's going to go home, and I know there's been some talk about fluctuation, the attendance numbers, but as of this second. You know, it's thirty five hundred people in the building at Bell Center in Montreal. That's totally unfair to the Canadians for Tampa Bay to have such a home ice advantage and Montreal to really have none. Even John Cooper, good on him, credit to the the Tampa coach. He he pointed that out as well. But it's you know, it's another one of these seasons. It's an odd one. We all have to deal with what's going on in the world and what's going on in all of North America. And Canada, quite frankly, you know, they're really behind in what's going on compared to the United States. So uh I know the Canadians I know the NHL they're trying to lobby the government in Quebec to you know let them have 7000 people in the building or 10000 people in the building uh forget about the money it's costing the Canadians organization I mean can you imagine what Stanley Cup final tickets would go for in Montreal and the optics are brutal Mark right cuz they got the watch party outside the building you got 20000 naked people standing next to each other <laughs> in Montreal and they right and they only have 3500 in the building so it doesn't look good in that regard either Uh, I'm hoping they'll settle things up uh, and and get it a little closer uh, for the Canadians to even things out. But, you know, they got a lot of rules in place with quarantine and protocols. Uh, Barry and I are not going to Montreal. We're going to cover those three, games three and four, back in Bristol in our studio. Uh, We've never missed a Stanley Cup final game other than the bubble last year. And so it's uh, it's odd all around.
0: What's your take on the refereeing during these playoffs, Steve? And a style of play that some nights has been a bit sludgy.
1: You know, I feel like we have this conversation, not just you and me, but everybody. Yep. We have this conversation every postseason. Uh, I do believe, you know, you think about the what are, what are the toughest calls in sports, right? The charge in the NBA, you know, pass interference, offensive or defensive in the NFL. But every call in hockey, it's just, it's so hard, man. You're doing this, you're doing it, and then you're doing it on ice, right? And and these giant med and, and weapons in their hands. It's really, it's really impossible to see. Uh, I think they do the best job they possibly can. I think they got the best people they possibly can in place. And I just, I just think it's an impossible job. And sometimes replay can bail them out. We've seen that. Uh, I think it's one of the better replay systems in all of sports. Yes. In terms of helping out the officiating. You know, I know baseball's just been destroyed, you know, upset and complaining about their system. And, you know, the NFL, that makes us, they make us wait an awful long time. Uh, But hockey, I think, has been as good as can be compared to the other sports. And it's just, it's a really hard job, man.
0: Montreal had the fewest points of any team that made the playoffs. Vegas made the final as an expansion team a few years ago. St. Louis won the Cup after being dead last in January that year. Why do underdogs keep ripping through the Stanley Cup playoffs?
1: So... We had this conversation at dinner last night. Don't hold me to the exact number. It was after the first round of this year's postseason. It was like 16 of the top 17 paid NHL players were out of the playoffs. The only exception was Carey Price, right? Like, you think about the other sports. The superstars are always there in the championship, the semifinal, the championship round, or the playoff, whatever it is, right? But it doesn't work that way in hockey. And the system actually favors teams like the Islanders, right? Who don't have, who don't have any superstars, right? They, you know, Barzal's a really good player. Maybe in a few years will be considered a league superstar. Uh, but you know, Tampa's got a, Tampa's, you know, faces, you know, Steven Stamkos is not the player he once was. Montreal's only real star, I think is, you know, in goal and carry price. It is just so different. Like superstars can win for you during the regular season in the NHL. And the games get harder and tougher, especially grinding on the Stars in the postseason. And listen, I don't think it's good for the game, by the way, right? Because you, you sell your superstars. I mean, look at the NBA. That is the biggest star-driven league in all of the sports. And, you know, in the NFL, start, you, you can't make the playoffs without a great quarterback, let alone playing a conference championship game or the Super Bowl. And it's just not that way in hockey. Uh, the ultimate team sport, I think it, it, it speaks highly of the game. Super battle level, right? Great competitiveness, but does not favor the Stars. Toronto's a great example of that, right? They got you know, four, I think they have three players who are all making $10-plus plus million That crushes your cap. They light it up in the regular season. Under normal circumstances, they sell a ton of tickets, right? T-shirts, hats, jerseys, and uh, and it doesn't work out for them in the, in the first round of the playoffs. Had a 3-1 lead against this Montreal no-name team that, as you said, was 18th in the league in points. And here are the Canadians, still four wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. So it's a different breed, man. It's a different, you know, it's a different personality. It's a different feel. It's definitely a different sport compared to the other, the other big three.
0: ESPN is once again going to be a broadcast partner for the NHL. Now, uh, that doesn't mean you and Barry are going back to hockey because you've never been away. You've covered every Stanley Cup final back as far as I can remember. Obviously for Bucci, Linda Cohn, hockey's coming home for a lot of you. But uh, what's it like to get? hockey back on the worldwide leader because ESPN, I saw your roster on Twitter, the, uh, the rogues gallery, the picture, that's quite a crew, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, listen, our, you know, our suits have put together an unbelievable team. I, I can't wait for that first dinner. when We can all get together. Finally, <laughs> you know, it be in the same room. You imagine the stories that'll be swapped in that room. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be a lot of laughs and a, uh, and a lot of good times. We've got some great personalities, and look, you know, you mentioned those, the sort of the four of us that have been, you know, flying the NHL flag for the last 17 years without actually having the rights. Uh, yeah, I've been on both sides of that, right? I remember losing the rights, uh, after 04 and we were crushed. It was like, you know, your puppy ran away, man. It was, it was a bleak day. There were, there were some tears uh, shed inside the building. And it's not just all of us, you know, who are on camera, uh, front facing to the, to, to the television. It's, uh, you know, a lot of behind-the-scenes people, producers, directors, audio, all, you know, everywhere, up and down, production, uh, really massive hockey fans uh, in the ESPN building in Bristol. And so uh, I'm really ecstatic for, for every one of us who's, you know, has weathered that storm kind of thing, and it's great to be back, and the league has been so appreciative. And, and it's really nice to be in a hockey town like Tampa right now during the Stanley Cup because, you know, just fans coming up to you and saying, hey, we're so hot, happy that hockey's back. Uh, where it belongs on ESPN. So, yeah, it was a, a great day when the announcement came down. I don't know, was it three months ago? But, you know, every day now is another announcement. Hey, we got this guy. We got this person. Um, great to have Messier and Chelios on board. And, uh you know, we'll do a great job for everybody, I think, for the hockey fan. Mark, and I've always said that you know, there's always so many ways to broadcast the games, right? Uh But you can really differentiate yourself pregame, postgame, in between yep. periods on SportsCenter, and I think, uh, and I think that's that's where we can really shine at ESPN.
0: Now, before I let you go, Steve, one more thing: you do play-by-play for Monday Night Football. Please put that hat on for just a second. Where are the Steelers at right now? Because the optimism in Pittsburgh is—I hate to say—out of control. Because I don't think that's a great football team
1: anymore. Wait, wait. So they are, they are optimistic about the upcoming season? Huh? Yes, yes. Uh, listen, I haven't I haven't done the deep dive yet. Uh, I know what's going on, obviously. I will tell you, uh, you know, that division might be the best division in football. I think a lot of people are coming that way, uh, in terms of talking about that. Everybody was, you know, was on the NFC West. And I think, I think that Steelers division, man, I think, I think every one of those games is, is tough. And, uh, I think the Bengals are even going to be good. You know what I mean? So, so I think, um, I think I think that has all the makings of a of a very difficult season. Look, they're always going to be competitive. You know what I mean? They're always going to be competitive, and I got to think you get a, a wild card team out of there for sure. Um, but th- those teams are going to battle each other every every single game. But I, I never count out Tomlin. Uh, I obviously follow you on Twitter. You're one of my favorite Twitter followers, <laughs> uh, to, uh, uh, people to follow on Twitter. I think you're great at that. So I know your take on all the juju stuff. And Coach T and Ben and all that, I get that. Uh, but I, am kind of, I'm kind of with you. Well, you know, what is optimism? Is optimism a, a winning record? I know they haven't had a losing record since Tomlin took over there. So, uh, but I think, I think it's a challenging season coming up.
0: Steve, thank you so much for taking the time. As always, enjoy the final. You are numero uno in my book. And let's talk
1: again soon. Anytime you call, anytime I'll always answer for you, Mark. Be well, pal.
0: That is Steve Levy from ESPN. Him and Barry. Stanley Cup Finals, I, it's got to be twenty years, maybe longer. And now hockey's coming back to ESPN, which I, I hope they do right by it on Sports Center. But the hockey specific coverage, like Steve said, the pregame, postgame stuff like that, they got a great crew assembled, and Steve's at the head of that table. So I think that part's going to go great. Four one two three 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 W X D X. We got Mike Rupp at the top of the hour. Oh, excuse me, Dejan at the top of the hour. And then, Mike, up in the 5 o'clock hour. It's the Mark Madden Show on 105.9. It happens.com.
1: And now, the
0: super genius, Mark Madden. This is Bob Hope. Hi, uh, this is. How you doing? i oh, a hey, uh, You know what? Why? Call back when you're coherent. The X at 105.9. It's just great to talk to Steve Levy from ESPN. He's the man, Monday Night Football NHL coverage. It's sad that he and Barry can't go to Montreal for the games there in the Stanley Cup final. But Canada's way behind the U.S. in terms of COVID, in terms of getting the vaccination out there. And there's some irony there because Canada was so critical of the U.S. throughout the pandemic. And now they're the ones that can't do right by their citizens. Uh, I posted the trailer today for the movie The Saints of Newark That's the Sopranos prequel With Gandolfini's kid Playing the young Tony Soprano He certainly looks the part and Appears to act pretty good But it's only a trailer The trailer's Good And it got me thinking What other movies could use a prequel Keep in mind most prequels Ain't too good The Carlitos Way prequel wasn't too good. I know Star Wars did all those goofy prequels. I don't care. I've never watched a Star Wars movie in my life and never will. I love the Purge movies, but uh, the last movie in the series before the one coming out tomorrow, it was called The First Purge. It was a prequel and it's the weakest of the series. The Godfather Part Two had elements of a prequel, the flashbacks, But it was mostly a sequel, and it was amazing. Better Call Saul is a prequel to Breaking Bad, and Better Call Saul is awesome. I'd like to see a prequel to Slapshot, with Reggie Dunlop as a young player. You could almost make the same movie, except you could never make Slapshot now. How about The Departed, the rise of Jack Nicholson's character, the Irish crime boss? If you want comedy, how about a Shooter McGavin prequel to Happy Gilmore? How about Rambo out on Ops in Vietnam? But when you make a prequel to a great movie or a great TV show, you gotta match or top the quality of that movie and that is difficult. What I'd mostly like to see isn't prequels or sequels or more of the same, I'd like to see fresh ideas and new characters. Uh, There was this giant crash at the Tour de France because some idiot held up a sign to get on TV and stepped in the way of the bikers. It looked like a dozen or more bikers went down and one of the bikers who crashed had to withdraw from the Tour de France because of injuries. A A whole bunch of bikers went down, you gotta see it, it was like dominoes. But the real problem is TV. People will do anything to get on TV. But to be honest, that crash at least made the Tour de France interesting. I haven't paid attention since the doping allegations. Uh, Big news in soccer today. Not that any of you give a rat's ass about that. But uh, Rafa Benitez, the former Liverpool manager, is now the Everton manager. Rafa won the European Cup for Liverpool in 05. Everton's the team right across town in Liverpool. The stadiums are like less than a mile apart, but uh, the Liverpool fans are still going to love Rafa, but the Everton fans, if he fails, he won't get uh, a very long leash. Man United got Jadon Sancho from Borussia Dortmund today for a transfer fee of 90 million euros. And yes, that is a whole lot of money. Uh, that's more than Liverpool played for Virgil van Dyke in 2018. Excuse me, 17. I don't think this guy, he's good. I don't think he'll have quite the same impact. Uh, Spurs hired a coach, that Nuno guy from Wolves. That's a good hire. And here's the intriguing news, potentially. You know who becomes a free agent tomorrow? Lionel Messi, who plays soccer for Barcelona. Even if you don't follow soccer, you've heard of Lionel Messi if only through the Pepsi commercials. He's not the best guy anymore, but he's still really, really good in a draw, and he moves merchandise. He will likely re-sign with Barca at the 11th hour. That's what's being talked about. But this is rare because soccer players almost never get to the end of their contracts. But what would Messi be worth on the open market, even at 34 years old? Soccer players get sold. I talked about that with Sancho a minute ago. That's how they move from team to team. But if Messi can go on a free, that drives his paycheck up even higher. If you don't pay to get the guy, you can pay him more to sign the contract. But Messi's never played for anybody besides Barca. And I'd be surprised if he moves at age 34. He'll do what they all do. His retirement job will be MLS, where he'll be too old for real soccer, but plenty good for American soccer. Uh... No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Coming up next, my guest live from Colorado, uh, where the Pirates are. the Pirates playing right now? I don't even know. But they got shut out last night, got shut out the night before. They're winning 2-0 right now. Boy, that's a lot of runs, too. Dajon Kovacevic up next on 105.9.